Hallelujah. Jesus is so wonderful, isn't he? You know, I wanted Pastor Marcus to sing that song tonight to remind us that it was him that first loved us. Amen. He's the one that loved us, died for us, poured out his blood for us so that we could walk in a relationship with the Father. Amen. And as believers, it's so important that we remind ourselves of how wonderful Jesus is. You know, in Revelations, I've said this before, that uh, he talks about us um, losing our first love and us growing cold. And the way that you don't lose your first love or, or forget about your first love is to remember the price that was paid so that you could have a relationship with him. Amen? so that you could be in a relationship with him. And then to remind yourself of where you would be if it weren't for Jesus. What would your life look like? I don't even wanna imagine that because I know what it looked like for the short uh, 20 years before I made Jesus Lord of what my life looked like and the spiral of death that was coming to me quickly. Because before Christ, our lives were separated. We are separated from God and we are walking alive, but yet we needed him so that we could walk in this life that he designed for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And anyway, and so I text Pastor Mar Marcus uh, as we were driving back from North Carolina today and I told him, I said, I want to sing this song because... You know, last uh, Wednesday, we started a journey in the book of Hebrews, and um, uh, my goal was to teach on the elementary principles. But as I went through and <laughs> have been reading the book of Hebrews over and over again, oh, I realized what a wonderful book it is. And I was reading in chapter two again today. How many of you took the challenge and started reading the book of Hebrews? Amen. Thank you for, for what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> because, um, you know, as I was reading the book of Hebrews and going through the whole, because it's wonderful when you go to teach a subject that you don't just pull the scripture out. You need to look at the context of the whole book and then each and every chapter that lines itself up before and after the scriptures that you're going to be ministering on. This is how we rightly divide the word of God. And so as I was meditating and reading back through the book of Hebrews, I could not get away from this scripture today. I'm like, Lord, I told him I was gonna move on to those elementary principles this Wednesday, but you know what? He said, well, I want you to remind them of how I love them first. Because if we remember and stay in a position of keeping that before us every day, I have not forgotten the day that I called on the name of the Lord when I was eight years old 
And by the time I was eight years old, I already felt so much shame, so much condemnation, so much um, uh, just shame in my life because of things that had already happened to me by the time I was eight years old. And at eight years old, he, he took away that shame and that guilt that I didn't cause myself. Amen. But was in a position that I knew I needed a savior. I knew I needed to get rid of the shame and the guilt and to be washed clean because I felt dirty. And if you can't remember it as fresh as I'm remembering it, then you need to stir that back up and go back to the moment that you know you walked the aisle and you called on his name to save you and deliver you because at that moment you knew you needed him. Because even as a believer, we can grow through our life and we can, uh, you know, go to church and we can forget what it was like before we had him and forget what we felt like before we had him because sin can lose its, um, you know, its stench in your life after a while. But if you remember what it smelt like and how it felt and made you feel, then it'll keep you in a position of being thankful. Amen of being thankful for his blood and for the price that was paid to deliver you and get you out of that life and, and set you on a new course of life to where you could truly walk in peace and freedom and love and uh, all of those things, joy. You know, somebody asked me, what was your child, what was your um uh, somebody just this week asked me, what was your um, favorite cartoon character growing up? I said, I, I didn't have a favorite cartoon character because growing up, I didn't have a childhood. I didn't get to run around free as a child. I didn't know I was going to say all this and share this, but the Lord knows Amen. I don't remember having a happy childhood. I don't remember playing and having fun. My life was always serious because of things that I was going through. From three years old, I can remember. Three years old, I can remember. And I, I wasn't a happy child. Didn't have a childhood. Lost a lot of years of my life. And so I knew I needed a savior. And once I made him Lord, I never went back. Never wanted to go back because I was always reminded of the stench of sin. And if we do that, then we'll keep ourselves in a position that we love the Lord. We love him and we're thankful for him and for all that he's done in our life. Amen. But 
as I was reading in Hebrews, and I got to Hebrews chapter two, and the Lord said, stop here and remind them. Remember, we talked about last week, I went through every chapter of Hebrews and talked about the wonderful promises. Remember, Hebrews tells us that uh, because Jesus died and rose, and he was the sacrifice, and he poured out his blood on our behalf, because of that, uh, now we can come before the throne and come into his presence. And not only that, um, now we are in a new and better covenant, it says, and new and better promises now than those that were in the old covenant and living in the days of that, right? So now, because Jesus came, now this covenant that we are in is far better and most wonderful, because why? Because the blood was shed so that now the Holy Spirit could come and live back on the inside of us. Because in the Old Testament, they couldn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. They still had that stony heart Ezekiel talks about. And remember, Pastor talked about that this, this Sunday. But see, then he said, when you get born again, he says, I'm going to give you a new heart, one of clay, one that's now not of a rock, but can be molded and changed. And how is that happening? Because now the Holy Spirit can come and live on the inside of us. And now, since the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit now can begin to teach us and to begin to talk to us to get us in a position that will heed the Word of God and be able to do the Word of God and not just have to do it, will want to do it because he says, I'm going to write my laws in their heart. So when you're born again, your spirit man wants to do the Word. But as pastor said on Sunday, we are in a battle for the other two parts of who we are, which is the mind realm, right? Which is the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And then we also are battling this flesh that has this fleshly desires, right? And that's why Paul says, I crucify the flesh daily. Listen, we will never, ever, ever until we return be able to walk every day without making a choice to crucify the flesh and put it under. If Paul had to do it, who wrote over however many parts of the New Testament books, one third of the New Testament, two thirds, two thirds, three thirds, whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. A whole lot of the New Testament that um, here, and he says, I pray in the spirit more than you all, right? But yet he also said every day I have to crucify this flesh and put it under because our flesh is not going to be uh, changed until we take on his position, which is immortality, mortality. What are we taking on? Immortality uh, when we get to heaven. And so we're always going to have to battle this. But what is the, the thing that the word of God teaches us is that we have to now, once we get into the kingdom of God, begin to train our, uh, our mind, our will, and our emotions. We have to 
to transform it. We have to change our thinking and we have to align that up to our spirit. And then we have to tell this flesh, no, we have to then control it. We have to dominate it. And if our spirit and our soul are in alignment with the word, then guess what that means? That's two against one. But if we have a weak soul and we have our flesh, then guess what uh, is going to win? Not our spirit, man. I don't care how much you can sit. Hear the word. Until you learn how to apply it to your life and take thoughts captive and, and, and crucify the flesh every day, that's why we always see believers still struggling in life, right? So as I was reading in Hebrews chapter two, I got to this first verse in Hebrews chapter two, and the Lord said, I want you to read this because this is uh, a warning, which I told you that the book of Hebrews is wonderful. It talks about all these promises, but then in the book of Hebrews, there is about five warnings to us as well as believers. Oh, you mean believers can be warned and, and, and corrected and admonished? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I thought once we get born again and we just make Jesus Lord of our life, then we can just live how we want to live, do whatever we want to do and go through life because we're all under grace and there's, then why would he warn us? Why would this book even be in here and be important? Right? So, if there is still not consequences for the way that we live as a believer. And so he says in Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, Since all this is true, we ought to pay much attention. I'm reading out of the Amplified because I didn't even put this in my notes because I was trying not to have to read it to you. But I have to obey. It says, since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard. Least any of you or any way we drift past them and let them slip. One translation says, unless we neglect them, the truth, unless we neglect them. Uh, when you look this up in the the translation, it means here where he says that we ought to give heed. He's saying that we need to pay attention to the truths that we've heard. We need to give heed to them. We need to pay attention to them. We need to uh, uh, gain understanding of the truth that we have heard. Gain understanding of the truth that we have heard. We need to pay attention to it. We need to heed it. What does heed it mean? Do it. We need to do it. And so he tells us, listen, we need to do this uh, and not neglect the truth that we've heard because if we do, we can what? Slip away. We can... Uh, slip away from this or drift away from it. And so it's very important that he wanted me to read this because of the fact that we're talking about these elementary principles 
and I read the, the last chapter of uh, chapter five, or the last verse of chapter five, and then we went into the first couple of verses of chapter six about the elementary principles. So here he's saying we need to give close attention to them. We need to pay attention to the truths that we heard because if we neglect them, we will slip, let them slip from our lives. How many people do we know they get born again? We've been given, and he says we've been given this great salvation. This is why he said, I want you to sing the song and remind them that I love them first. And this was such a great salvation that I gave to them. But if, listen, but if we do, if we neglect this salvation, if we neglect heeding the truth of God's word, if we don't pay attention to it, then guess what? We're going to slip from it. Just like you neglect things in your life and what happens, you neglect your house, guess what? Next thing you know, after five, six years, you look around and, and things are falling apart. And you think, wow, this happened overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It took years because you weren't paying attention to it. So when people fall away and fall into sin, everybody's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. I can believe it happened and I can tell you why it happened. People don't just trip and fall into sin that are believers. They've neglected their salvation. They've neglected their relationship with the Lord. They've neglected their fellowship. They've neglected reading the word of God. They've neglected, come on, feeding their spirit. They've neglected it. And before long, they look and they've like, they've drifted away to where they're drifting away to where they're looking back and thinking it would be better just to go back. Right? So why is it important that we recognize this? Because as we were reading um, in Hebrews 5, let me read these scriptures again to you. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, uh, it says this, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became uh, to all those who obey him, the source of eternal salvation. Verse 10, being designated by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, uh, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. So there's much to say that he wanted to talk about concerning the order of Melchizedek and our high priest, but it was hard for him to explain it to people because it says they had become dull of hearing. How did they become dull of hearing? Verse or chapter two, they started neglecting, not taking heed to the word that they heard. See this? They started neglecting it. So they just come to church and they sit. They don't take notes. They don't try to get understanding. They don't go home. They don't study the word. They don't, right? You just come to church and think it's just, poof, you're supposed to just by osmosis have it all. 
But he tells us that we are to pay attention to it and give heed to it. That means we have to take the time to read the word of God, to get it in our spirit, man, to ask the Holy Spirit to continue every day to reveal the word to us because we know that when the seed of God's word is heard, the enemy comes immediately to try to snatch it out of your heart so that it can't take root. And listen, if you don't go and take heed to it and begin to uh, apply it to your life, then immediately the enemy's taking it and snatching it from you and you're never gonna produce the seed that you've been hearing from the word of God because you haven't given attention to it. Right? And so thus, you get to chapter five, which there's still more warnings in the before we get to chapter five, because then he starts talking about uh, those that don't neglect the word of this great salvation, take heed to it. Then he starts talking about, uh, because some uh, start getting into a position, if you're not gonna take heed to the word of God, then you'll start moving into unbelief of the word of God. And that was a couple of chapters. That was like chapter um, um, chapter three, the next chapter, right after that. He says, listen, don't, don't neglect the words that you've heard. Take heed to them. Get understanding about them, right? This great salvation that you've been given because the blood, the precious blood was applied to your life. But then in chapter three, he goes on and says, because if you neglect, you'll begin to fall away, slip away, drift away from the word. But then what happens after that? Then you begin to move into a doubt and unbelief. Unbelief. That means you are not in a place of faith, which means you're not pleasing to the Lord because we're to live by So we're in a place of beginning to have unbelief a part of our life and doubt of the word of God because we've neglected such a great salvation. We've neglected the truths that we've been hearing. So then here we are moving along and now that you're in unbelief, you're never gonna be in a position of faith and rest. So how many people do we know that are coming to church, coming to church, but they're never, they're never in rest in God's faith. Rest means trust, full reliance, a position of faith. You're fully confident that his word will not fail you, but you're in a constant place of unbelief, doubt, because you've neglected, you've not paid attention, you've not applied it to your life, you've not given heed to it, you've not exercised it. So he says, then you move into unbelief. Well, what happens after you move into unbelief? Then we begin to see where you can begin to harden your heart, he starts talking about. Harden your heart. You can harden your heart towards the things of God, right? So here we're in chapter five and he says, listen, there's so many things that I wanted to say to you more things that I wanted to teach you, but I couldn't because you haven't, you've become dull of hearing. What did we say that word dull of hearing meant? Did y'all take notes? It means you've become lazy with the words you've heard. You've become sluggish. You've become dull. You're dull to the things of God. You're just numb. 
You come in, you hear it, nothing moves you. You're not excited about your life in Christ. You're not, uh, you know, even trying to read the word of God. It's such a drudgery. You feel, you know, we all go through seasons where, as we said, we have to stir up our first love. We have to stir up our first love, right? And, uh, and that's where we are not neglecting. What if you neglect your body? What if you neglect your children? What if you neglect your marriages? And then five years from, of you neglecting it, you look back and you think, who is this person I've even married? Right? Because you've neglected the daily things to keep yourself in a position in a place of love, right? The daily things, because remember, we read that and I'll reread it. So anyway, he says, a dull of hearing is to be sluggish, lazy, dull, slothful. You've just been lazy about your Christian walk. And this is important. Uh, we're gonna see uh, in a minute, you've been lazy about it. You've not tried to grow. Uh, you've not tried to uh, press through uh, and mature in things that you know God's been dealing with you about. How many of us, we know there's things God's dealt with us for years and we've still not done it. We'll start out just like with exercise. I'm gonna exercise this year in Jesus' name. I'm gonna exercise this year, literally, in Jesus' name, right? Even got a new thing. What is it? Membership. I don't even know what it's called because I'm going to exercise this year in Jesus name, <laughs> right? And so, uh, you know, but you can neglect for years and then you go and you're like, I'm going to exercise. Then you get in and you start exercising. and you realize you're not 20 anymore. So every, every joint, everything in your body begins to be affected because you never through the years maintained your structure to be able to facilitate the muscles that are growing now, right? Your joints and all these things. But it's important that we have maintenance. Isn't it easier when you go to the gym? I've heard this, that you just... <laughs> Crack myself up. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Somebody said, I loved when you said you cracked yourself up. I do that often, just to let you know. Um, but they say if you just go, you're in a place of maintenance and you're maintaining and you're not having to overwork, right? And you can just be in a place of maintenance and, and maintaining a healthy lifestyle and doing what's necessary every day. How much more for our relationship with the Lord is what I'm trying to say. Before we look back and say, I don't even know the Lord anymore. I don't even know if I want to serve him anymore. Because remember, I've said this so many times that it talks about, I'm thinking in the last days, many are going to fall away from the faith. And I've always had a problem with that. Lord, why are people falling away from the faith in the last days? We're living in the last days. And people that I have known in the 23 years of, of me serving the Lord diligently every day of my life. There are people that I knew that were serving the Lord way before me and doing great and mighty works for God that aren't even serving him today. Yeah, 
once in ministry and living a whole nother life today. What happened? Chapter two happened. They began to neglect their every day of not heeding and practicing and maintaining their relationship and their love for the Lord. And so then they became dull of hearing. They couldn't even begin to go to places that the Lord would want you to continue to grow and mature and flourish in because he had to go back and take you back to where you were the last time you actually heard from him. Yeah, he's not going to give us any more of who he is until we're going to do what it is we know we've already heard him do. He doesn't throw his pearls out to people that are going to just wallow, which is what pigs do. Right? We're, we're, what, are, what are we doing? As pastors, we are equipping, right? We're maturing. We are perfecting the saints. This is what we're doing tonight. We're bringing you some uh, equipping material and word, all right? Y'all are good. I talked about how wonderful the book of Hebrews was and how many wonderful promises, but there's also warnings. And we, we wouldn't be good pastors if we didn't teach you of the warnings as well, right? If we just gave you the cotton candy for your itchy ear. Right? I think a lot of believers have cotton candy in their ears. That itch. <laughs> I cried myself up again. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Anyway, let's move on to verse. Where was I at? So they become dull of hearing, right? Then he goes on to say, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. He is a baby. God will, does call people babies, infants in Christ. When you get born again, you are a babe in Christ. You're an infant. You're a baby. And there's things that you just need to grow in that's going to nourish who you are now that you've gotten into the kingdom of God. But then there's also now solid food. There's meat. There's a firmer solid food, the Bible says, that can... Uh, be for those that can grow and mature. But if there's plenty that remain babies and just want the milk, that means that's just easy to go down. They don't have to chew on the word. You know that word, uh, meditate on the word of God day and night means to chew. So they don't have to chew on the word. They just want the milk. They just want to, they want somebody to just give them uh, the, you know, the bottle and not have, they want them to, they want us to give you the bottle, not go and have to get the word yourself and, and learn how to read the word yourself and learn how to, uh, come on, they want to ba be babies. And we would, uh, you know, 
not be proper parents if we keep our children on the bottle till they're 10 years old, would we? I'll never forget. It scared me to no end because I was a young mother and had my oldest son, you know, I was uh, before I married Pastor Earl, you know, I had a, uh, another marriage and married to Sean's birth father. So I got pregnant at 15 and had him at 16. So I was a young mother. And uh, so I'll never forget, he had, um, when he was a baby, he had a double hernia. Double hernia. So at five months old, he had to go into major surgery to have the double hernias removed. Well, when I went into the neurologist's office, for him to get examined and for them to start talking about when they would do it and everything else. Uh, I go in there. I'm a young mother. I'm 16 years old. I have him, you know, taking him to get examined and everything. And there's another lady in the little doctor's office, which was only probably as, as wide as this stage right here, right, to probably here. And then there's a window and you can go and talk to the receptionist. But in here is like the little waiting room. So it was just me and Sean as a baby as I'm holding him. And another lady sitting there with her little boy that looked about five years old. And it tripped me out. Because I look over and I see the little boy run over and lift his mom's shirt up and start drinking milk. Now, I love, I'm not against breastfeeding. Please do. But at 16 years old, it really startled me. I'm thinking, this boy's five years old, you know, and he's over there. I, I'll never do that. I'll never let, I mean, it really frightened me. I mean, I'm like not, not going to let Sean run over there at five years old and lift my shirt up in public and start drinking milk. That's a little extreme, you know. So... Uh, yeah, so that did me in for breastfeeding. It's like not happening. And then, uh, you know, then I tried it with Chase and, uh, you know, that was a whole nother story. He was colicky. Anyway, I said, forget that. So we went back to the bottles. Anyway, it just scared me. Five years old. Anyway, I thought, you know, that's just weird. It's just weird. I mean, I'm, I'm the only one in the room, and this little boy just runs up and does that. You know, who does that? I'm thinking. But anyway, five years old, I didn't think needed the milk. They had teeth. <laughs> they could eat meat. <laughs> Please give this boy some meat is what I'm thinking. Oh, anyway. But... The Lord uses this same uh, analogy and cause when you get born again, you're a babe in Christ, you need milk, you need things that are going to go down easily until you can grow and be nourished and begin to uh, grow up and mature so that you're able then to get teeth and eat milk, meat, <laughs> chew some meat, chew the word up, right? Meditate on the word and begin to chew it so that you can grow. When you take the word for yourself and start feeding yourself, that's when you can see that you're starting to grow. If you as a believer go home and never even try to pick up the word of God and read it every day, 
You're still a baby that are, you're just getting your milk when you come to church. If you have not taught yourself how to discipline yourself every day as a child of God to read the word. So because you know that's bringing uh, nourishment, that's your daily bread. That's what you're supposed to eat on every day, right? So if you only eat on it once a month. And then you're wondering why you still have, you're still struggling to even want to serve the Lord, right? So we have to ask ourselves these things. And so he says, listen, um, I'm having to go back and teach you things. Uh, I can't even go further and give you solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, the Amplified says it this way, is doctrinally, doctrinally, inexperienced and unskilled. And I like that. You're, uh, you're not skilled. You um, are inexperienced as a child of God on how to live this life out every day. And uh, it's important that we recognize that. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. And we said last week that this righteousness is, words of righteousness is for the mature. Words of righteousness is for the mature. Everybody wants to hear about grace. How about, about righteousness? Righteousness is for the mature. And so if you don't want to hear about growing and mature, or, or about righteousness, about living right, about crucifying flesh, about turning away from sin, but about not doing your will, but his will, if you don't want to hear about those things, then you are in a position where you're still, come on, needing that milk, wanting that milk, and could be in a place where you're not wanting to grow and you're not wanting to mature. And so it's important that we recognize where are we at? Because he said uh, the word of righteousness is solid food. It's for the spiritually mature. Solid food, when you look it up in the Greek, it means solid, stable. How many Christians right now are unstable in all of their ways? But when you get on solid food, come on, you will become stable. You'll start becoming a, a person, it also means to be firm. You're firm in your convictions. Nobody can talk you out of what you believe. If you can be still talked out of what you believe, if you can still uh, uh, allow people to get you tempted to do things that you know is against the word of God, then you have not taken on solid food. So it means solid. It means firm. And it means also Firm in your mind. In your mind. Okay? Firm. Solid food. Uh, and it says, what? Firm in your mind because of this. It says, whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. And this is not good and evil that you're saying is good and evil. This is what the word says is good and evil. 
You've not trained your mind. You've not allowed yourself to take on solid food so that your senses can be trained to say, that is, that is the devil talking to me. That is, uh, that is not in alignment with the word of God. That is evil. Right? And if you've not practiced, we talked about this, practiced every day, living right, living righteously, then you are not going to be able to discern what's right and wrong. What's right and wrong. You're not going to be able to discern it. Because we said that word righteous um, means this, a state of who is, uh, who is and ought to be righteous. The condition that is acceptable to God, the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. We know that once we get born again, we've been made righteous. But then we are to have acts of righteousness, the Bible says, or fruits of righteousness. Then that means now that we are going to act that righteousness out. We're going to live it out. We're going to live that righteousness out. We've been made it. But now we're going to live it out, right? And it says uh, that it's concerning the way in which a man may attain a state approved of God by integrity, virtue, purity of life, which means holiness, rightness, getting into alignment is what I like to say with the word of God. Whatever the word says, I live it, I do it. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? So I'm in alignment with God's word. I am in a right correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting uh, in a narrow sense, justice or virtue, which gives each his due. So not only is it talking about us being made righteous, us now we are to act righteous, but not only that, it has to do with our mental capacity, our thinking, our soul realm. Our soul realm is supposed to get an alignment, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Which is our mind is where our intellect is and where our reasoning is. Our reasoning should not be coming from the world's reasoning. Our reasoning now should be coming from the Word of God. But if we're not in it every day, then guess what? We can't. Uh, even have an understanding of the Word of God, right? Uh, and then not only that, it says our will. So what is our will? Our will is what our self wants to do. Well, if you're not in the Word of God and aligning yourself up with the Word of God, then guess what? You're just doing what you want to do. And the Bible says that we are to uh, lay down our will now we're to decrease so that he can increase in our life. We are to walk out his will for our life, not what we want for our life. And that's a hard saying in the world today, in this I am generation, right? So that's why they don't want to hear words of righteousness. So then we have so many believers never wanting to mature and grow up and actually being able to be in a position to uh, fully uh, see God use them in a, in a mighty way. 
and fulfill their destiny that God has for their life because they're not willing to give up their will. Their will died. My will died the day that I made him Lord. You know, I got born again at eight years old. I was saved. He saved me. He cleansed me. But I didn't make him Lord till I was 21 years old. And the day I made him Lord, I never looked back. And I gave up my will and said, Lord, you use me however you want. That's when you know that you've said, all right, I'm going to quit doing things my way because it's been a disaster. And I'm going to surrender to your will and your way. And I'm going to do it your way. And then I'm going to see what you can do with it. Right? As you obey. And so uh, he tells us then, that we are to mature, we're to grow. Uh, we are to go on to the solid food of God's Word. Hebrews 6, 1, 2 says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Do you know uh, that if you don't press on to maturity, it is not okay with God? He, he's telling us we need to press on to maturity. It is not okay for you to remain a baby in Christ. It's not okay. He wants you to mature because if we can all grow and mature, then we can start seeing the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the body of Christ. And so there's places in people's lives where they don't want to press on in. Let me say this, and the Lord said this to me today. Uh, he said that I need you to say this because somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes in your life, when you go through your walk with Christ, there will be times that it seems as if you're not satisfied. You'll just get something. On, you just, you're, you're not satisfied. And a lot of times, if we're not uh, secure and solid and haven't uh, been applying uh, this solid food to our life, we'll think that that thing on the inside that's saying you're not satisfied with life uh, is that you're needing something else. So you start going to the flesh or you think, I'm not happy, I mean... You know, I'm not happy in this job. I'm not happy with this person, you know. And so then you start uh, going towards the flesh. But a lot of times in your spiritual life, when you get that unsatisfying, uh, there's just, you know, that is God. That is your spirit man trying to get you to press on in into him because there's more that he has for you. So it's not always negative that unsatisfied. I'm unsatisfied in my Christian life, which means I'm going to press into him so that I can see that he has what else he has for me so that I can continue to grow and mature. But a lot of times we mistake that unsatisfied life with, oh, you know, this thing didn't work. I tried it. And start going other places and doing other things and start trying to fulfill our flesh. When a lot of times it's the Spirit of God trying to compel you to press into Him and to press into His Word because there's a growth that He's getting ready to do in your life. 
There's more that he wants to teach you in your life. There's more things that he wants for you to discover about your life and about him. So listen, uh, listen, don't always give in to the flesh when you're feeling unsatisfied. Press into the spirit of God, press into the word of God and let him reveal that I've got so much more for you and, and you aren't satisfied where your life is. Don't become comfortable, press into me and let me give you that satisfaction. Right? Because before Christ, we were looking for that satisfaction. Like what's his name that sings? I can't get none. Satisfaction. What was that singer? Rolling Stones guy. That's who I was thinking rock. I was thinking rock and roll. She's thinking country. <laughs> She's from Georgia. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. And that, that's what Mick Jagger, that's what we were doing before Christ. We were trying to f fulfill that void in our heart with everything that the world could bring us that we thought would satisfy us. Money, females, drugs, uh, men, relationships, jobs, positions, right? We're trying to fill that satisfaction, that, that void in our heart that only God can fill. Every man on the face of the planet, every woman on the face of the planet has a void in their heart that only God can fill. And until they discover, come on, who Jesus is, they'll never be satisfied. But us as Christians, we have to remember what it was like to keep us in a position that we don't drift away from this great salvation. And those times that we're feeling unsatisfied is just saying to me, there's more God has for me and I need to take the responsibility and the maturity to press in, to get satisfied. Yeah, good. Amen? And so this is, uh, you know, a position of those that can mature can begin to feed themselves. And not have to have be bottle fed all the time. Right? Know how to go to the Word of God. Know what the Word of God says about their circumstances and their situations. Because they, they've applied the Word. They've heeded to the Word. So now their senses are trained so that when every thought comes, they know how to align it up to the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says... Listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and those things, those thoughts, those reasonings, those imaginations that are coming against our mind to try to get us off of what God has said. But when we know the word, we can eradicate that thought, cast it down, align our spirit up with the word of God and do what's right. And a mature person can do that because they've trained themselves to recognize, have an ear to know. I know my God's voice and no other I will follow. I know the voice of the flesh. I know the feelings of the flesh. I know, uh, come on, the, the, the way the enemy, he tells us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. You will be ignorant if you don't mature, if you don't grow and you don't get in the word. You'll be immature. You won't know. 
uh, the voice between the enemy and the lies of the devil and the devices of the devil. Man, you ought to be able to recognize it just like that. That's the devil. He's a liar. Because if he tells me I can't do it, I know I can. He's a liar. A liar from the beginning, the Bible says. All he can do is lie and tell you how horrible your life is and tell you how whatever the case may be. You'll never get over this. You'll never be able to have a marriage the way that it was intended to be. Whatever, you'll never get off the bed of sickness. He's a liar because the Bible says that by his stripes, I've been made whole. And the Bible says that in Romans chapter five, the love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. And I don't have to live by the way my feelings are. I can live by the love of God. I can live by the word of God. I don't have to live by my emotions, right? And so you're not gonna be able to do that if you've not trained your senses to be able to align itself up with the word of God taking every thought captive. I'll close with this because, of course, we're running late, as usual, with me. (laughs) He says this. I read this last week. A person that has not matured in words of righteousness, Andrew Murray said this. He has not yielded himself to the discipline. You know, babies need to be disciplined, mamas. Do you know by the time they're four years, what, two to four years old, they've already learned all that they're going to, their little sponges, their little minds have already learned how they're going to think, operate, all those things. So those first few years are the most important, aren't they? Because everything has already been put within them of how they're going to, what their bent's going to be and how they're going to go. And so the same thing with uh, us believers, once we get born again, the most important thing is that we're in a solid word church when we get born again. You need to be, be able to tell people that. When people get born again, they, they have to start going to a good word church and a solid church so that they can begin to get the milk of the word so that they can begin to grow and mature because within those first few years, they're going to begin to uh, absorb. You know, have you seen a new believer? They're so excited about the things of God. They're so on fire for the things of God. I mean, they're just sucking uh, everything out of you. They want to know everything about God. Come on, because it's new to them, isn't it? It's new, it's fresh. They just realized they love God and God loved them. They had their first experience with love himself. And so they're all excited. They're all on fire for God. They're babes in Christ and they're just sucking that bottle. They're just taking in everything they can get. You know, babies, they'll choke themselves. They'll drink that bottle so fast. And that's why you need a mama and a daddy to help say, okay, that's enough. Let's go ahead and burp that up first before I give you more. Same thing with with new believers. There's some things I tell new believers, you don't even need to read that book. You don't even need to do that. The first book you need to read is right here because you can get some wrong things deposited in your life. 
And so they have to begin to grow and mature uh, and, and discipline themselves to the word of God and what the word of God says. And then he goes on to say, he has not in the struggle of practical obedience um, uh, that the word can do to search and cleanse and strengthen and bless your life. That's what the word of God does until you discipline yourself in the word of God. That's what he's saying. You've not, you've not been able to receive the word of righteousness because you've not disciplined yourself in the word of God to allow the word to cleanse you, to teach you so that you could line yourself up in practical obedience to the word of God. Uh, because that's what the word will do. It'll strengthen you, it'll search you, it'll cleanse you, it'll wash you, right? Washing of the watering of the word. And then he goes on to say, he has not exercised. This is a person who's not matured in the word of righteousness. He's not exercised daily a life of obedience. That means when you're washing dishes and you get in a fight with your husband and you as a wife want to sit there and say, I don't even know who you think you are talking to me like that. I am not your maid. But on the inside, because you've had the word on in the inside of you. And the Holy Ghost will begin to say, uh, you don't need to say that. You don't need to say that to him. That's not love. And it's surely not uh, respecting your husband and submitting to your husband. You have a choice right then to align yourself up with obedience to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. See, practicing it every day. Or when you yell at your child and you know you did it out of anger and the Holy Ghost says, go back to them and ask them to forgive you because you did it out of anger. You have a choice to, to say, they're my child. I mean, they're gonna listen to me. I'm the head of this house. I'm not going to apologize to them. They did this. But on the inside, the whole time, the Holy Spirit saying, no, you are provoking them to wrath. You go and ask them to forgive you. You have a choice to align yourself up with discipline of obedience. See, it's the little everyday obedience things that God is asking us to do. That if we don't do them, how in the world do we think that we are growing and maturing to be able to do anything that God is asking us to do besides ourselves, if we can't do those little things that he's asking us to do. Remember the Bible says it's the little things that what? The little foxes that what? Spoil the vine. It's the little things every day that if you will align yourself up with the word of God and the spirit of God on the inside of you, you will begin to grow and you will begin to mature. But if you choose not to, every day put him first and align yourself up with those little things, you're not gonna grow and mature in obedience and righteousness. You're not gonna do it. I don't care that you're born again. You're born again, but you're a baby. And you're always in need. And you're always having problems. And you can do nothing for anybody else because you're so consumed. Babies are only concerned about one thing. Who is 
themselves. A baby is in need and dependent upon someone else and only consume with themselves and their needs, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, is that what I look like? Am I walk with Christ? Where am I at? Where am I at? Am I a person always in need? Am I a person that's always consumed with myself that I don't even think about anybody else, uh, you know, and their needs? Or I don't even think about, you know, how I taught, how that affects somebody else's walk. You become a stumbling block for somebody. then you're a person that's only consumed with yourself. But the Lord wants us, I still didn't get to it, you know, that we're to equip the saints because he tells us, I I can't even no longer talk to you as spiritual, but of babes, carnal, fleshly, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I can't even talk to you as spiritual people. I have to talk to you as babies because you're so carnal still. That means as a believer, you were supposed to have grown and matured, but you are still acting fleshly and carnal. And I'm having to talk to you as a baby. And so it's important that we say, okay, Lord, where are we really at? Because we are to equip the saints, right, for the work of service. But also it tells us that we are to equip you uh, and to grow you up so that you're no longer children tossed to and fro. Tossed to and fro. Have you seen believers like that? back and forth. They're being tossed around by everything, every wave and wind of doctrine, every circumstance, every situation. They don't even know what the truth is. They don't know what to believe. Uh, you know, they're going here, going there. That, that tells us that they're still children. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so, we have to ask ourselves, are we infants? Are we babes? Are we uh, children? Or are we being perfected and being uh, made mature? Because there's three stages. There's infant stages, there's uh, children stage, and then there's mature stage and status. And we have to ask ourselves, where are we at? What's going on in our lives right now? And are there things that we need to go back to and take heed to because we know we've neglected? We've neglected some things. Just our daily walk with Christ, we've neglected it. And so we want to make sure that we go and check that out so that we don't start drifting and pulling away because the ultimate is apostatizing, which is completely turning, turning your back on your faith. And he says, many will do that in the last days. And it started all because they started neglecting and not maturing and not progressing and not growing and not pressing in when God was nudging them all along to do certain things to help them along the way. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we...